live from Los Angeles. This is Rabbi Eris Sherman and Rabbi on the Sidelines. This afternoon, we are joined by Jacob M. Rani from the law offices of Jacob M. Rani and calljacob.com. We'll speak about the intersection of sports and faith. Jacob, it's so good to see you here. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Rabbi. It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to have some fun with you. So I want to tell you one thing before we begin, because there are two songs that are really staples in my home. The first is Lador Vador from Sinai Temple that my children sing every Shabbat. But the other one that my daughter sings daily is Accident or Injury called Jacob M. Rani. So on par with our liturgy here. So let's start with that. Who created that amazing jingle? You know, I'll tell you, uh, you know, throughout the whole time of uh, when we decided to put you know, a lot more emphasis on our firm and on our marketing. I always used to look around and see, you know, the brands that have stayed around for a long time are the ones that actually have something that you can't forget. And, you know, you know, to, uh, to every single person's ear, there are certain things that will stick. And, you know, I went through so many different ideas trying to come up with something that I actually, you know, don't mind listening to myself and something that actually will stay with you. And after a lot of tries, you know, we came up with our current jingle and it's just been great. You know, we, I always get such a kick out of it because I have three-year-olds and four-year-olds whose parents send me this jingle, people who I don't even know and are kind enough to share it with me all the way to being on a bar mitzvah and I've got, you know, an 80 year old man comes up to me and starts to sing it, you know, not, not all the words are there, but I know what he's doing. So it's, it's just been great. And, uh, you know, and it's just been wonderful. Well, you'll get my daughter's recording this afternoon. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so you're an amazing lawyer. You're unbelievable what you do in terms of personal injury, but outside of that, what people really know you, it's also your connection to sports. But take us back to how you even got into sports. And did you ever dream of one day realizing that you would have billboards? And we'll talk about the billboards in a moment. But billboards in Los Angeles really making a deep impact in the Los Angeles sports community. Yeah, you know, um, all of, you know, sports has a lot to do with my upbringing. And, you know, when I left Iran and actually got a chance to come to the United States, uh, I was 10 years old and having come through really, really hard times when we had to flee the country because it was no longer safe. They had arrested my father. He had been put in jail for some time based on his religion and his status in the community. Um, the moment he got out, we realized that unfortunately that's not the place that you know is safe for us anymore. And we had to leave and you know, that's a two hour story on its own where we got on horses and we had to go through the, you know, back mountains, of Turkey and really trying to get out of the country. Um, and it took a long time. It was very uncommon versus a lot of other people who had fled the country. And by the time we ended up, you know, landing in the United States and, you know, coming to L.A., I clearly remember that my dad used to always say that the most important thing here is education and, you know, we're going to try to find a place that's got the best school district, even if it means, you know, we move into a small apartment and something we weren't used to based on maybe what we had in Iran, like many of the other people who have fled the country from Iran and are here. Uh, you know, so we ended up going to, you know, the Beverly Hills School District, uh, got a, you know, small apartment, basically, you know, two houses away from the school. And, you know, going to school, 
being new to a to a country where you don't really know the language very well, um, wanting to belong, wanting to make friends, it's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one way that I could relate uh, was trying to learn how to play sports. And uh, you know, I had a younger brother uh, who's about you know three and a half years younger than me. And, you know, he would follow what, you know, what I would do and I would follow what my dad and mom would tell us to do. So, you know, learning how to play sports and belonging was a real easy way uh, to make friends and, uh, you know, worked out really well because, uh, you know, my brother and I were both pretty decent in sports. So when you're okay in, in sports, you get picked on teams and you belong and you're not left out, which is, you know, obviously very difficult for all our, you know, all kids and that was the start of getting into sports and, uh, you know, really loving sports, loving the competition, being able to have the camaraderie, you know, with your friends and making brand new friends, you know, was really, really important. Um, and, you know, it, it helped because as we became older and you become 12, 13 years old and, you know, uh, we're like, what are we going to do now? And okay, um, you know, I want to go and play in a league. So, you know, my dad put us at the YMCA, the local YMCA, so we can play basketball. And it's always interesting because even now, years, years later, when I get together with my friends, they all say, you know, my dad didn't know what I was doing. He would just drop me off. But opposite to that, you know, my father would actually drop my brother and I off every Saturday and he would actually come and sit there and he would sit mm. there through the games and nice. he would actually encourage us. And he became kind of the dad to a lot of my friends whose parents didn't really care about sports or didn't really come. And, you know, that, that kind of helped because then when you go home and you want to turn on the TV and the, you know, as a kid, you want to watch a Laker game, but if your mom or dad are not into it, they're like, ah, you know, let's change the channel. But my dad would sit and would watch with us. And still today, you know, he sits and, you know, watches with us. So it was a really nice way to be able to make friends, but also nice family bonding to be both playing sports and watching sports. No, it's interesting that you said that sports was the thing that got you really assimilated into this country, but also where that family connection bonding um. Basketball is also my passion, the sport I call the equalizer. And I actually remember a conversation we had on the rooftop here at Sinai uh, with Keen, kids enjoying exercise now and realizing, especially through the special needs community, what sports can do in a very powerful moment as well. Um, so take us to that route then. You're a Laker fan growing up, always an amazing franchise over the years, not yeah. new in terms of winning. But there were a couple of down years. I landed here in 2009, sort of the end of the uh, Kobe era. Um, And then we had that shift to the LeBron era. So um, we're going to show a little clip. If you're not from L.A., you're going to see what was on the streets of L.A. in the billboards, and we'll talk about that. Vegas's odds show that he should be here. Steve and I talk every day. Uh, you know, he's the greatest, uh, you know, person to talk to about sports. And I'm very confident that, you know, LeBron is going to come here. This is the place for his family. He wants to raise a family. He's got his businesses here, great weather. And then for basketball reasons, you know, we've got a great young core. Right. And that's what he needs at the end of his career. Right. He has a house uh, in Brentwood, not too far from here. LeBron actually talked about your billboards uh, when that happened. Let's play that and get you to react. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I listen, my kids see things like that. I, they think it's cool. I mean, I think it's cool. It's, it's, it's flattering more than anything that, you know, a, a 
fan of a team or somewhere will you know want me to play for you know in their city. So you know it's very it's very flattering. So I thought that was brilliant. I read in the article, actually, it was in the New York Times and the LA Times, that you knew that he was going to be practicing at UCLA. So you didn't just put this outside your office, outside your home, outside where other people saw it. You put it where he was going to see it. So how did you how did you come up with that process? And when did you realize that success was in the works? Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. You know, before that, uh, you know, I always thought, you know, how cool would it be, you know, for the Lakers? Hey, you know, as a Laker fan. We have 10 good years and two bad years. I mean, that's just been the history, you know. That's like a Bible story in Joseph, the seven <laughs> years and the seven, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> that's it. But unfortunately, you know, since 2013, we had gone through literally five years of being uh, irrelevant, you know, in the NBA. And, you know, as a diehard Laker fan and as a diehard fan, you know, you're always thinking about, you know, who do you need on your team to get better? So uh, it's funny because, you know, the last summer they were uh, looking to draft uh, Lonzo Ball. And uh, it's funny and nobody knows the story, but, you know, Lonzo Ball was like uh, really hyped and people were saying, you know, are they going to pick him? Are they not going to pick him? Which direction are they going to go? And, you know, I was, th- I was talking to, you know, my kids and my brother and my wife and we were all chatting about how cool would it be if we put up maybe a recruitment of, hey, Lonzo Ball's the guy, but then, you know, his dad is a uh, firecracker. And I said, ah, I don't really think, you know, I want to deal with that. So that idea kind of, you know, went, you know, out the window. And as the time went by, uh, I began to really see sort of what LeBron was doing. And uh, I said, you know, LeBron on the Lakers sounds really good because LeBron likes to join teams that as a, you know, a young core. He likes to, you know, bring teams that are down and he had just, you know, won in Cleveland and, mm-hmm. you know, really thought he's done all he can in Cleveland. And with everything happening here locally, you know, his businesses uh, were growing, you know, in LA. So I was talking to my kids and I said, you know, guys, what do you think if, you know, we put up some billboards recruiting LeBron and, Funny enough, a few days before it, I saw that some bil- a billboard had gone up in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few days after that, some businessman put up three billboards in Philly. And I was like, okay, you know, is, is this a sign? And I, I'll never, you know, forget. It was a Shabbat. We're sitting around. I had, you know, my boys there. Uh, my brother was there. My parents, my wife. And we were just chatting. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I said, you know, we're going to put up some billboards. And I looked up the schedule. And lucky enough, it was 10 days from then is when he was going to be coming to L.A. To not only be in L.A. to play the Lakers, but he was about to play the Clippers. And I said, what are the chances? You know, we're going to get him here for an extended period of time. I knew where they would stay as a hotel. Yes, you know, as an adult, I followed where the team stays. I'm with you. You know. (laughs) So you understand. And I knew yeah. that they used to practice at UCLA. So, you know, worked really hard with my marketing team. Uh, we went through at least probably a hundred different designs of the billboard. I, I'm really crazy oh. with that unless it's exactly the way I want any of my marketing to be, whether it's right or wrong or whether it works out or not. I always like, you know, my personal, uh, you know, signature to be on it. So finally, we came up with, you know, some billboard designs and we were able to find those billboards and paid extra to be able to get the availability on those on those dates when he was coming. 
And lucky enough, you know, everybody worked so hard. My team worked so hard. We're able to get him up right as they landed in L.A. And, wow. uh, you know, he saw it going to UCLA multiple times as he was practicing. <laughs> so was there any cooperation with the Lakers? Did they think, you know, I know I know that the Lakers aren't allowed, the NBA team aren't allowed to do that specifically. This was literally a private idea that you said, you know what, we're going to try this out. Absolutely. And, you know, at that time I had zero relations with the Lakers. Um, it was literally a private citizen, a fan, mm, that's awesome. uh, or, you know, would you say a fanatic who decided to invest, you know, money from his own pocket uh, in order to put up these billboards and people thought I'm crazy, but you know, really the whole purpose of the billboard and why it's so great looking at it now, three, three years later is it really was all about my passion for the Lakers. Uh, I never thought about it, what else it's going to do. I never thought about how much attention it's going to get. It was just really as a fan, me, myself, my kids, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, who probably would think it was crazy. We did it. And, uh, you know, and it was nice. Uh, it, it got some nice attention. And when he actually decided, you know, on July 4th, uh, you know, to actually <laughs> announce he's coming to the Lakers. It was, it was really, it was a dream come true. So I want our audience to understand what Jacob Ronnie just said. It happened at Shabbat dinner. <laughs> Miracles right. happen at Shabbat dinner, gather around that table and you'll never know what the light of Shabbat will bring. Um, so you said you didn't have a personal relationship with the Lakers before being a private citizen and a, a diehard fan. So then what was the next step to, in fact, you go to Staples Center right now. There's the call Jacob everything. Um, so what was that next step to realizing that, wow, I can actually be a sponsor of the team? Right. So, you know, the, the next step basically came with, uh, you know, the Lakers reached out to me um, and wanted to see if I'm interested, you know, to do some stuff with them. And they were more than kind, uh, you know, and how they treated the whole process. And, uh, you know, it was really was really more of a dream come true. I don't think I could ever imagine being able to be a sponsor of, you know, my favorite team, everything that I look at every day, even, you know, now just because I got on, I'm checking to see, you know, how Anthony Davis is doing for tonight's game. So, you know, everybody has their own passion. Everybody has a hobby and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my passion and my hobby are the Lakers and we were able to put together, uh, you know, a nice, sponsorship deal and uh you know i was able to put my two cents worth into it and we've been working and it's just been it's just been great it's 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 been absolutely awesome so uh, i have to bring you back in a couple of weeks because you talked about the signs in philly actually have scott o'neill the ceo of the 76ers on the show we can talk <laughs> about the uh the right billboards and the wrong billboards that happened a couple <laughs> weeks ago on july 4th right. um, as a sponsor, though, what are the differences that you have made within the community? Obviously, the Lakers take care of themselves on the court. We'll talk about in a few moments the do-or-die moment that we're going to see on TV tonight. Hopefully, the do. Um, but what are the bigger differences that you try to make off the court based on the on-the-court sponsorships? Yeah, so, you know, my you know mentality, my family's mentality, we've always been to try to make a difference on and off the court. Um, you know, joining the Lakers uh, as a sponsor was just another avenue. Uh, you know, as a law firm, what we do every single year, um, which is very dear to my heart, is uh, in October, we do a breast cancer awareness mm -hmm. month. We turn all of our billboards, uh, everything that we have, we turn it from yellow into pink. 
Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I do a uh, cancer walk. Uh, we raise money. Uh, you know, we do everything in our power for Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October uh, in order to be able to help. Um, you know, we're also involved with a lot of different causes in order to be able to help. Uh, you know, the sponsorship with the Lakers has been great. And it's just been, you know, the next chapter of trying to do more and more, uh, you know, with the community. And, you know, recently uh, we signed a deal uh, to also be the sponsor of the L.A. Football Club, yep. uh, which is, uh, you know, a uh, up and coming uh, very exciting soccer team here in L.A. And they're also very much involved in the community. So, you know, when I make my choices on who I would like to be, uh, you know, partnering up with or sponsoring, um, you know, their vision, uh, how they run everything, how they, uh, you know, deal with the community and community involvement is a very important part of it. And I make sure that that's an important part of every deal that I put together. So last summer, actually pre-COVID summer, we took a Sinai Temple trip to LAFC, an interfaith night on the direction of one of the owners, Bennett Rosenthal. Yep. Um, and this is a little clip of Jacob Imrani, the new sponsor of the LAFC. We are happy to announce Jacob Imrani as our official law firm partner. Welcome, Jacob. You're one of us. Jacob, bienvenido a la familia. Jacob, we're going to be when I first met Jacob, I could tell that he was passionate, authentic, and cared about our club and our community. And I think that's going to make for a great partnership. And we couldn't be more excited to have him as part of our family. What's been the response from the community, both on the LAFC side and the LA Lakers? You said in an interview, I believe, that you are the voice of the people. You do that professionally, then you also do that personally. What does it mean to you to be the voice of the people and then to see the impact that those differences make? Yeah. So, you know, on a professional level, um, you know, I like to be the voice of the people because, uh, you know, usually um, when people think about calling an attorney, they're always concerned about how much they have to pay them because it's normal for attorneys to be charging by the hour. One of the reasons that I took personal injury and really put all of my you know life and passion into it is because I work on a contingency, which means no matter whether you can afford me or you can't, I can represent you because you're not paying me from your pocket. And the reason why I think that that's really important to be the voice of people is because I represent people who unfortunately are homeless and uh, you know they're sitting on the side of the sidewalk and very recently, a tree fell and it fell on top of somebody and he has brain injury. So we represent him and he would normally never be able to hire an attorney all the way to a person who has, you know, hundreds of million dollars in assets and was also injured in an unfortunate situations. And I get a call for that. So, you know, I, I consider being the voice of the community because it gives me an opportunity to work on my dime with my investments in people's mm -hmm. cases and being able to represent them and do everything I can. And the only way I get compensated at the end, Rabbi, is based on my results. So it's a very mm -hmm. result-driven type of field. And, you know, people can have a voice and they're not said no to if they have an actual case just because they can't afford me. So on the business side of it, I believe that's how, you know, every day I live my life being the voice of our clients. It's now this year is our 25th year of being in practice and, uh, you know, we're very proud of what we've been able to do for the, you know, for the community. 
Um, you know, in terms of, you know, the sports side of it, uh, when we put up the billboards, I really felt like I was being the voice of the Laker nation, right? You can think about everybody who's watching a game has been unhappy, wants to get their voice out, but maybe is not going to invest that money in billboards, maybe doesn't have the you know, capability to do that. And I felt like when I was putting up these billboards, I was representing all of LA. I think I was representing everybody who wanted to, you know, tell LeBron to come to LA and, you know, just the fan outpour was just incredible. I mean, and it continues, it still continues that, you know, sort of, you know, you're making that relationship, you're making that, you know, one-on-one with everybody else who actually believes in the same thing you believe in. And, uh, you know, you just happen to be the one who's standing in the front and talking for them. And, you know, the appreciation has just been incredible for both, you know, uh, the billboards, the Lakers sponsorship, and now, you know, the LA sponsorship, the LAFC Mm -hmm. sponsorship is just different. It's a different crowd, but you know, the same people are just showing a lot of love, which has been, you know, which has been great. So LeBron comes to LA, you help bring him here. And then he wins the championship and we're sitting at home. What does it feel like to go back into Staples Center just a couple of weeks ago to really feel that presence and hopefully give him a kickstart to another run right now? You know, if anybody understands how that felt, it's you. Uh, You and I have had conversations, you know, especially as you know, you know, that day on the rooftop talking about our passion for sports. But, you know, sitting at home, and watching when they actually made it to the finals that we've been waiting <laughs> for so long and not being able to be there and, you know, uh, be able to yell and scream and be able to cheer for them was obviously difficult for myself and every other sports fan, no matter what sport, uh, you know, you cheer for. Uh, but being able to get back into the Staples Center, being able to see them, uh, you know, this year still get into the playoffs and, you know, with all the injuries they've had, uh, you know, has been absolutely awesome. I've gone to the last three or four games. I've taken my boys, you know, um, you know, I have four boys, 13, 11, eight and six, and they're all as, uh, you know, fanatic as their, as their dad in sports. So they've had a chance to come to the games and they've had some fun. Actually, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. The last game we were at where we were sitting uh, the boys were there and they were able to get Anthony Davis's towel and they were able to get, you know, a bunch of uh, headbands from, you know, Caruso and a couple other players. So, you know, it's been fun. But as you and I just talked about tonight's a big game for the Lakers. They're down three, two. If uh, if they don't win tonight, it's over for the year. And as you can see, I'm wearing my purple tie, which is my lucky tie. And I hope it helps uh, bring some luck to them. And, you know, your prayers and my tie. <laughs> yeah, it's like after the sermon when we give the keeper to the kids. You know, it's like the towel, so you, you never know. But we got an extra stash of keepers here. Um, I want to go to the faith aspect for a second. Uh, you mentioned sort of briefly, and you said, you know, maybe for another episode, we talk really about that upbringing because that upbringing, as you said, shaped why sports was so important to feel a part of a community where in a country where you really didn't feel a part of, even though maybe geographically connected to. As a prominent, not just lawyer, but also part of this Jewish community. And I know with the very special occasion coming up within our own community, how important is that to you um, with, with, with that part? And then I'm going to ask the second part after. 
You know, faith is extremely important. Uh, you know, I believe that no matter what country you're in or what's going on in your surroundings, your faith all starts from the home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my wife and I work very, very hard uh, to raise our children based on, you know, our faith, our Jewish religion, as well as our background as Persians. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, being able to make sure that your kids, um, you know, even at this time with all of the outside noise, uh, understand the concept of the family home, uh, be able to understand and really get, you know, the information from their parents, being able to learn and understand uh, and continue to, you know, believe in the faith and understanding of what our, you know, our ancestors did, why we're here and why we need to do and, you know, follow it and make sure that it continues is a really, really important part of, you know, my family base, because that's basically what helped my family, my parents, you know, my brother and myself, that's what helped us get to where we are today. And that's what we hope that our children and, you know, our family and the children in the community also, uh, you know, follow to the next generation and to the next steps in their lives. So there's two conversations. We talked faith in your home. We talked sports outside of the home. And now the question that when we wrote back and forth before, you said, well, how does that connect? That's my question to you. Do you and this is the question that I ask every week. Jewish sports broadcasters, Jew, people who are not Jewish that have played professionally in the state of Israel, people that are somehow connected to any type of, let's say, source above, have you seen within your work, within the sports world, any type of aspect of faith in sports? Yeah, absolutely. I think you see it in every sport. I think in certain sports, you see it a lot more. Uh, I think in certain sports, you see them visualize it more. I think, you know, when you watch football, uh, you see that they're always, uh, you know, talking about God and, you know, uh, their faith. And uh, that's what helped them get to the stage that they're at, to the big, Mm -hmm. you know, to the big stage and, and to their success. I think when you look at, you know, uh, soccer, uh, just very recently, uh, you know, we saw a soccer player who scored a goal and then did the Shema, uh, you know, which was, you know, to me, uh, it was just beautiful. I must have shown that video to my kids at least 10 times. You know, at the same time, you know, there are people like Tim Tebow and other Mm -hmm. people who uh, were not afraid to talk about their faith. So I think, you know, it's really all about the individual and how comfortable they are to bring that connection into sports. Uh, I believe everybody is connected in one way or another to their faith. Uh, It's just whether they're comfortable enough in order to have that crossover. And, you know, the wonderful thing about the country we live in is that everybody has a opportunity in order to express themselves. Some people have a bigger forum. Some people have a smaller forum. But that still doesn't take them away from being able to express how they feel and what they believe in. And, and you know, as long as it's something that's inclusive and as long mm-hmm. as it's something that we, brings all of us together, uh, I think it's wonderful. I think everybody needs to be able to have a way to express, you know, themselves. So actually a couple of weeks ago on uh, Israeli, Memo- actually Holocaust Memorial Day, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Denny Avdiha, the Israeli star for the Washington Wizards, on his sneakers wrote score, meaning to remember. And it was a pretty powerful moment of an NBA player to write um, to write that on, on, on his shoes. And 
especially well, what, what is your opinion of also using sports as a greater platform right in terms of you know equality written on jerseys um i've heard two opinions one is i'm not going to support sports doing that and the other opinion is actually i'm going to support athletes and athletic programs because as you said they do have a platform to do that so how do you see sports making a difference in larger communities and actually really in the entire world yeah so you know i think that as I said, any uh, expression that brings people together, I am for. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have to agree with you that, you know, throughout the, you know, past God knows year or so, I've had a lot of people who may not agree with that. And a lot of them have maybe stopped watching sports because uh, some people say that, you know, they don't want to see it. And I think, again, we go back to everybody has their own prerogative Uh, you know, in terms of what they think, you know, I believe that we should all try to do things in order to bring everybody together. I think togetherness is great. I think as long as whatever uh, is being, uh, you know, expressed is not something to bring separation, is not something to bring hate, uh, Mm -hmm. then obviously I am very much against that no matter who is doing it. But I believe if we can bring everybody together and if we can, you know, share true information, share correct information and educate each other. That's the only way we can get closer. Uh, You know, you break through those barriers by education. You bring through, you know, you bear, you know, you go through those barriers by teaching each other. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I love is Julian Edelman. Every single time, you know, I've become such a big fan of his because he actually is not afraid to come Mm -hmm. out and share. He doesn't come with hate. He doesn't come with fight. He comes to share. And I think, you know, I think that's wonderful. I think somebody like him who has a platform and actually is willing to come out and be able to share information and educate, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's great in order to do that and be able to, you know, educate and bring everybody together. I love that education through sports and sports actually through education. So, Last question, besides the next billboard, which I know is going to say, come to Sinai Temple for the High Holy Days, um, what player are we bringing to the Lakers next for the uh, law offices of Jacob and Ronnie? Yeah, well, you know, you and I are going to have to uh, put our heads together off camera. Great. And I think that's going to have a lot to do with, you know, how this season ends and what needs to be done. But, you know, uh, it's great to be able to do fun stuff. Uh, it's uh-huh. great to be able to do things where it brings other sports fans, uh, you know, together. I think sports is amazing because uh, I'll never forget, uh, you know, you could have people of all different religions, all different backgrounds, and they can disagree and be heated in just about anything. But Mm -hmm. when you turn on that game, Mm -hmm. you can have all of them cheering for the same team, the same player. And that's pretty amazing. You know, it's the same way where you can have an 80-year-old man and a seven-year-old grandchild that don't have much, you know, uh, maybe in common to talk about. But you turn on that sports and they're sitting there and the child's sitting in the grandpa's lap and they're cheering for their favorite team. I mean, that is is pretty incredible to be able to have sports bring everybody together. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I push – you know, my kids to be in sports, I coach them in everything that they play. And I use that as yet another way in order to not only get close to my kids and build that relationship, but also get close to their friends and to other mm-hmm. people in the community. 
And it also allows you to make such great friends and, you know, friends that you can call, you know, close friends for many, many years to come. So, you know, I think I think it's a wonderful way to bring positivity, get the kids off of their iPads and, uh, you know, get them doing things that hopefully can help them in the future. So you said you'll bring the energy and the tie and I'll bring not the prayers, but the blessings. So we will end with this blessing as we go into a amazing game tonight as the Lakers are in a do or die situation. As we end each portion of the uh, Torah, we say these three words, Chazak, Chazak, Fenit, Chazak. Be strong, be strong. And together, Laker Nation, with Jacob and Ronnie, the law offices of Jacob and Ronnie, and calljacob.com, together we will be strengthened. Jacob, it's great to see you. Thank you, and let's go, Lakers. Thank you, Ronnie.